You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Fourth and Manageable, an SEC football podcast brought to you by 2400 Sports. Now, here's Brad Edwards. Welcome into Fourth and Manageable. Thanks for joining us. I'm Brad Edwards along with my co-host Tyler Bray, former Tennessee quarterback, and we're about to take you through week one in the SEC. Now, there was a week zero, of course. The SEC went 1-0 and in week zero with Vanderbilt winning at Hawaii, but everybody in the SEC is playing in week one and with one game left, which is Sunday night, LSU taking on Florida State. Everyone in the SEC is still undefeated. Uh, Vanderbilt now 2-0. and And by the way, that what we mentioned on Thursday's podcast is true once again. If you pull up your SEC standings, you probably will see Vanderbilt sitting on top. So Vandy fans, uh, go ahead and get a screen grab because it's probably not going to last much longer. But uh, – you couldn't ask for much more, Tyler, if you're the SEC. You, you, you've won every game, and maybe they all weren't pretty, um, but the object of, of sports is to win, and uh, that's what these teams got done in their very first game of the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the SEC dominated today. It uh, Some of the games were to the point of turning them off at halftime and you know trying to find the, the next game to look at. Yeah, and look, that's the way it usually is, week one. You know, most of, of the games, if you're a team uh, in the SEC, are are basically bought wins, right? They're, they're teams that are overmatched that you're just uh, paying money to come in and, you know, allow you to, to warm up, get the kinks out. And most of the time, they're not really a threat to beat you. Although every now and then, we, we've seen exceptions to this, but... Uh, in this particular season, it didn't happen to anyone uh, in the SEC. Nobody got caught off guard uh, in week one. Uh, and then th- there was uh, there were a few games, actually, that, that looked like they would be worth watching on paper as we came in. And probably the, the biggest one on paper uh, turned out not to be much of a game at all. And uh, maybe not all that surprising to some out there. It, it wasn't exactly expected to be down to the wire based on the point spread, but uh, Georgia ranked number three, taking on number 11, Oregon. It, it felt like a big game, but you know what? It looked like both teams are pretty similar to what they were last year. Georgia still very clearly, if not the best team in the country, uh, among the top two or three for sure. And Oregon, uh, I'll say this, if they are the best team in the Pac-12, the Pac-12 has a long way to go. And uh, that's that's basically what we got in that game. What were your initial impressions, Tyler, of Georgia? I, let, I'll tell you what, let's stay away from Stetson Bennett because I want to get into him next. But just for a defending national champion, we talked two days ago about complacency and this idea of you know being as motivated as you were last year when you were chasing that first national championship. How impressed were you with how focused they were and ready to play? Oh, they came out and uh, lit the scoreboard up quick. 
uh, as you said, I'll stay away from Stetson, but uh, I mean, they have running back that is dangerous, not only carrying the ball, but, you know, receiving as well. I think he had a hundred and something yards receiving. Uh, they have another big back, uh, Milton, uh, Fresno guy. So a little shout out there. Uh, he looks like he's going to be the the workhorse in the backfield. And, uh, you know, they're going to spread the ball. They got two tight ends so they can stay big, get in 12 personnel. And uh, it's a matchup nightmare for other defenses in the SEC. Yeah, Kendall Milton, probably the best high school player to come out of the Fresno area in, what, at least 20 years, right? <laughs> oh, for sure, yes. <laughs> for those who don't know, that's where, most that's highly, where Tyler's from. <laughs> most highly recruited, for sure. Yeah, so – uh, anyway, you mentioned the, the other back, Kenny McIntosh. Uh, McIntosh, yeah, had over 100 yards receiving. Um, and, and that was, to me, one of the interesting things about this game, at least the first half, is, is that Georgia came out throwing. Uh, you, you would have thought that uh, a team with the personality like Georgia has would come out running, uh, but they didn't. And it showed the confidence they have in their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, who really spent most of last season just trying to convince people that he was their best option behind center. I think he silenced most of the doubters in the playoff uh, coming into this season was, was clearly the guy, but, but man, they put the game in his hands, came out slinging and uh, was 25 of 31 uh, over 360 yards passing. And uh, he was just in control from the start. Yeah. He was very efficient today. Uh, like I said on the last episode, if he stays within the system and uh, doesn't try to force anything and just lets a game come to him, he's going to have big numbers, and that's what he did today. I mean, he didn't force. I think he may have forced one pass. Other than that, he uh, took the checkdowns when he needed to. Those turned into chunk plays. He took shallows. He took the back out of the backfield. He just, I mean, he didn't throw the ball deep at all, and they were turning into, you know, 30, 40-yard plays. Yeah, so explain to us from the quarterback perspective. You know, a lot of people, you know, who are skeptical might look at that and say, well, he, he didn't really complete any balls further down the field. You know, a lot of it was run after the catch. They were high percentage throws for the most part. And, you know, if if, if you want to try to pick him apart, you could say that. And, and that's true. Most of them were high percentage throws, and a lot of them were to guys who were who were really open. But how much of that is the quarterback? I mean, certainly some of it is play design, but he's having to make a lot of reads, right, in order to find the guys who are open as opposed to throwing to a guy who's covered. Yeah. Um, you know, this is the game plan they had. Munkin, you know, they had all year to prepare for this game or all offseason to prepare for this game, and he took advantage of it. He, he knew what they were going to do. He exploited it, and he knew – if you know, get the ball into the playmakers' hands and let them do what normal Georgia playmakers do. They're going to have a good day. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Yeah, and so, so Georgia scored touchdowns. For those who didn't watch the game um, all the way through, Georgia scored touchdowns on its first seven possessions, which I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. That is, uh, it's basically perfection with the first team offense on the field. There's absolutely nothing that you could you know, that you could really criticize um, if you're the coaching staff of Georgia. 
and then on the other side of the ball, the defense. And they obviously uh, were historically good last year. Um, and they they carried that team uh, throughout most of the season. Even though the offense was, I think, was very underrated and was much better than people realized, the defense was the strength of last year's team, and they lost a lot of that to the NFL. And yet, against what I think is going to be a pretty good Oregon offense, they don't allow a touchdown. What is What does that do for you if you're Georgia to be able to come out of this game knowing that, hey, not only is my offense – probably better than it was last year, but my defense might not have fallen off very much at all. Yeah. It seemed to pick up right where they left off. I mean, you know, they have Carter on the D line, they have Smith on the D line, and then they have the freshman Malachi Starks, who <laughs> the guy's going to be legit. Yeah. You saw in his interception today. He, he, uh, he's a ball Hawk out there. He plays the ball. Well, he plays into the defender like you're supposed to. I mean, he just, he does what a, you know, a big time DB should do. And there were a couple of times it looked like Oregon's game plan was to try to pick on the freshman, you know, playing his first college game. And, and he was up to the task. And it wasn't just that pick. There were a couple of other plays that that he was right there. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at this Georgia team, whether it's offense or defense, I, I don't know what you would pick out as a weakness. It doesn't mean they don't have one. I'm not saying they don't have anything that a team like an Alabama wouldn't be able to exploit much later in the season. Uh, but for game one, um, they certainly look like a team that that really didn't have any holes that that you could really point to. And uh, I would I would say good luck to the uh, the competition in the next two months or so, because I really don't know how you're going to go about game planning to try to beat these guys. Yeah, I think uh, as of now, I think the one thing you can do is try to make them run the ball. I know it sounds dumb, but. I think you uh, Stetson played so well throwing the ball and with such efficiency that I think you try to, you know, play in a cover two, try to force him to run, take it out of his hands, don't let him get it to the other playmakers, and just let, you know, like in Alabama, they're going to have to let their D-line and linebackers make a lot of tackles. Yeah, so so you're your defending national champ looking like uh, they, they are still national championship caliber, and – after that performance, you take a look at their schedule. And what's interesting about it is there aren't many games on there that you would consider to be a challenge. Like, they, you know, if, if you look at the preseason rankings, the only other team outside of Oregon that's preseason ranked is number 20, Kentucky. Now, I believe that both Tennessee and Florida will be ranked in this next poll. So there will be more ranked opponents to come. But it, but it really is difficult looking at the way that Georgia played uh, to pinpoint a game on that schedule and say, yeah, this is this is going to be a really tricky spot. And that's not to say they can't slip up and lose. They can't go out and play poorly. But you would think at this point that's what it's going to take. It's going to take Georgia uh, playing a poor game on top of the opponent really making a lot of plays in order for that to happen. And, and one of those teams that we just mentioned – is Florida. And the reason I say there's a good chance that Florida could be ranked uh, this coming week is because Florida had a huge win at the Swamp, uh, knocking off Utah in what was one of the more exciting games of the day, uh, as it turned out. In fact, I was I was thinking uh, for, for a long while we were going to start this podcast by saying that uh, at least for this week, it might have been more exciting to be doing an ACC podcast, given the way the games started with with the teams in North Carolina. 
but we finally got a, a barn burner in the SEC, which was the Utah-Florida game. And, um, you know, it, it, I, I guess if you're thinking about where to start with that one, it really starts with Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback. We had seen flashes from him last year. We knew what type of athlete he was. We knew what type of ability he had as, as far as uh, some of the passes that you saw him make. But you never really saw him put it together against a, a really solid opponent to the point where you were convinced that he was more than just potential. Um, but but I, I think we clearly saw that tonight. This kid has a huge upside. Yes. I mean, not only does he have a rocket for an arm, but the guy can run like a running back. I mean, he he's one of the fastest and most athletic people on the field. And putting that with a an arm and a pocket presence, and it seems like he has the playbook down. I mean, they're doing a lot of shifting and motioning before the ball snapped. And that takes a lot of, you know, mental prep in order to be able to do that. It's not, it's not easy going out there and, you know, the clock's winding down. You got to get the playoff and you're having to shift in motion, move guys around, make sure they're set legal formation. I mean, there's a lot that goes into a pre-snap when you run an offense like that. And he seemed cool, cool, calm and collected the whole time. If you look at it from the quarterback's perspective, um, Sure, you could say that there's maybe a little bit of an advantage for Florida going in and that Utah has not seen this particular quarterback with this particular play caller to know exactly what they're going to do. But on the other side is what you just alluded to, which is there's a big learning curve when, when there's a new offense coming in. What, what, what are the, the biggest challenges as a quarterback to starting a season in, in an offense that you've You've just learned. And, and you know, this isn't like the NFL where where you've got, you know, so much time to really build this thing with, with, you know, college football. You're really limited in the number of hours that you're able to spend on the practice field. And, it, and it's a lot more of a challenge at this level. Yes, it's uh, the verbiage is one. Uh, a lot of a lot of teams run, you know, the same type of concepts, but they call it something different. So the verbiage with plays, routes, protections, uh, every O-line coach kind of coaches protections in their own unique way. So that takes time as well. But uh, once you get the playbook down, it's, uh, it's I don't want to say easy, but it's smooth sailings because the game slows down for them. I know as a quarterback in the past, uh, when you don't know the offense or you're learning the offense, you know, it's moving fast because you're so worried about just trying to get lined up and get the ball snapped before the play clock runs out. And then all of a sudden the ball snapped and it's like, oh, shoot, okay, we're – what defense are they in? What's what's going on? So it's it's tough, but he he looked he looked calm tonight. He didn't he never looked rattled, even when they were getting to him a little bit and he was having to make plays with his legs. He seemed he seemed good. For those who might have been watching uh, another game, because there were there were a lot of SEC games that were going on at the same time as the Florida game, um, it it had a really bad start for the Gators, which they got the ball first and they made several good plays offensively were putting together a drive. Then all of a sudden they had a fumble that ended up getting returned a long way by Utah. And after, you know, a, a very promising start for the Gators that looked like it was going to result in them taking an early lead. Next thing, you know, Utah with a short field scores a touchdown. They're up seven, nothing Florida's already in a hole, uh, but they then respond and they were able to take the lead in the halftime. Um, when Florida scored its touchdown to tie the game at seven, 
they they had a play where they were fourth and two. Now this is late first quarter, down seven nothing, fourth and two on the Utah sixteen. You know Billy Napier, his first game as the Florida head coach, you could easily in that situation justify kicking a field goal. You know, just get on the board. You know, you've already had one time you moved the ball and you turned it over. You just want to come away with some points. A lot of people would have understood that. But he was really aggressive. He believed in his offense. He went for it on fourth and two, picked up the first down. The next play, they scored the touchdown uh, to tie it at seven. What What does that do for a team when a coach shows confidence in them in a situation like that and they go for it? This wasn't fourth and inches. You know, this was this was fourth and and a and a full two, um, and it it not only uh, was a, a risk that you know that he took because of his confidence in them, but it paid off and ended up uh, being a big step toward them. You know, going ahead and, and winning that game in the end. Yeah, and uh, as a player, I know guys get excited when a coach goes for it on fourth down. The confidence it shows, uh, and when you have a quarterback like that, I mean, it's very easy to get him. You know, roll him out of the pocket. Other other times, you know, get him, get his where he can throw and run the ball at the same time. Because when the ball's in his hands, he makes things happen. And so, anytime a coach goes around fourth down and you pick it up, it's that extra boots boost the confidence that might you know lead to another call fourth down later in the game. And, and it ended up being uh, a back and forth fourth quarter after uh, Utah really asserted itself in the third quarter after uh, ha- having fallen behind at the half. Uh, and took the lead, and then uh, Florida retook it. Utah ended up coming back down and uh, taking the lead again late. And then uh, Anthony Richardson and the Gators uh, on a drive that included another fourth down conversion. This time, there wasn't really much of a choice. They had to go for it there. But another fourth down conversion uh, ended up Richardson carried it into the end zone for uh, for what was the go-ahead score, uh, and, and so you got to feel like the Florida offense has a lot of confidence moving forward after putting together two big fourth-quarter drives in a situation like that. But a- after being on the wrong end of most of the second half, the Florida defense, when it when it really mattered, backs against the wall, goal-to-go situation, uh, trying to protect a three-point lead, comes up with the interception in the end zone uh, to seal it and uh, ended up being um, – you know, probably not the result that we were all expecting at the moment that Utah got down there first and goal. You figure worst case, they're going to kick a field goal and tie this thing. Uh, but Florida makes a big play and comes away with a big win. Yeah, it seemed like uh, the second half, it was which QB was going to, you know, make a mistake because they both were balling out. I mean, it, it seemed like, you know, one would make a spectacular play and you're like, oh, here it goes. Florida's about to, you know, take over. Utah's about to take over. And then QB comes right back and answers. So I mean, it was it was one of those deals with who was going to make the mistake first, and it just so happened to be Utah. It was a great game, and it was one of those where um, I would not have expected Utah. I think to me, it is a credit to Utah to have been able to come back the way that they did a couple of times in the second half. When you consider what the weather is like in Utah, compare and like what they've been practicing in compared to what it's like at the swamp. And I mean, aptly named the swamp. I mean, it's not just Southern heat, but it's also uh, that extreme humidity early September. And and for Utah to overcome that, I think is a credit to them. They just uh, didn't make that very last play when they, when they had a chance and 
for a, for a Florida team that needed a confidence boost after a poor season last year, great way to start the season. And so, um, you know, whether they're a threat to Georgia remains to be seen, uh, but obviously a, a great start to the season in the SEC East. Yeah, uh, I saw something where uh, Utah was practicing their indoor with the heat on. And uh, I was like, you can do that all you want, but once you get down there, that's a different kind of heat. Air is thick down there. I remember we played a uh, noon kickoff there one year, and it was – I think I lost five pounds just warming up. I mean, <laughs> even if even if you're not playing in the game, you're cramping up on the sidelines. So, I mean, they, they came out and handled themselves well. As far as that, I don't think weather played too much of an advantage to Florida by just, you know, the way the game went. Yeah, big win for uh, big win for the Gators, and um, we'll see what this season holds. They they started last season pretty well, and then it kind of came unraveled. And that's the thing about Week One; you never know. Sometimes Week One results are are misleading, um, but uh, but at least in this case, um, they they had the type of win that they really needed to, to get twenty twenty two started. 